Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, everyone. Before we get started, some sad news. Since we recorded this episode, Betty Dodson has passed away. Her contribution to many, many women and to the greater good surrounding discussions about female sexuality cannot go unmentioned. What a contribution. She was a pioneer and we would like a few more Betty Dodsons in the world. Brave feminist trailblazers. Rest in peace, Betty, and thank you. This podcast may contain vulvas, adult themes, strong language and stupid health advice. (laughs) I'll do that again, sorry. (laughs) Yes. This podcast may contain adult themes, strong language and stupid health advice. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to In Bad Taste, where we cast a critical eye over health documentaries and the claims they make. I am your host, fully clothed today, registered nutritionist Pixie Turner. <laughs> and I'm, I'm gutty thoracic surgeon Dr. Nikki Stamp. Uh, thank you for joining us once more as we bravely go where no sane healthcare professionals go, deep behind enemy lines to rip health documentaries to shreds. And we're again this week taking a look at the Goop Lab. I should clarify, we are always fully clothed when we do these recordings. However, oh yes, yes we are. Not all members of the Goop Lab will be fully clothed for this episode. <laughs> so yeah, sadly we haven't yet consciously uncoupled from Gwyneth Paltrow just yet. This week though, we are trying something very different for us. As you know, there are six episodes of the Goop Lab and we're only tackling four because that's the extent of what our November and our sanity can handle. And this week... We're getting down and dirty for the episode on sexual pleasure. I feel like we need some, like, you know, slap bass in the background to set the mood. (laughs) This, This is, though, in all seriousness, this is quite different for us because we have tended to focus on the enormous number of health documentaries that are focused on ridiculous diets and eschewing medicine. And let's be honest, there are endless ones of those for us to choose from. However, health is so much more than diets or disease and sexual health is often neglected as a part of health and well-being. So we're here to talk about vulvas. Yep. 
You heard right. We also skipped the episode in Unwell on Tantra. Uh, so this is our way of making that up to you. Uh, full disclaimer, mm-hmm. neither Nikki nor I are in any way sexual experts or gynecologists, but we will bring you some facts and figures here and we will definitely refer you on to important references about sexual health and well-being, as well as amazing people like Dr. Jen Gunter, who we absolutely recommend following because she is incredible. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in the meantime, let's get it on. No? (laughs) Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all day. Uh, So, look, the the protagonist, the main protagonist in this episode is quite possibly the coolest octogenarian I've ever come across, a lady by the name of Betty Dodson, who is a sex-positive feminist and orgasm educator. What a title, right? Like, I mean... That's so cool. So apparently she was originally an artist, but then she had a sexual partner who was super duper interested in her well-being sexually and she decided to teach women how to orgasm since the 1970s and she got me on side straight away by immediately correcting Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. Correcting Gwyneth Paltrow is great, but also correcting her for the correct terms for female anatomy when Gwyneth starts talking about vaginas and what she means is a vulva, which are the external genitalia of the woman or female people or people who possess vulvas. And she just nailed it straight away. And I I have to be honest, like I hate, I hate, hate, hate the euphemisms. I hate the misuse of the word vagina as well. So Betty, you 100% got my vote. Yes, I am so with you on this. And I'm, I am so happy she immediately went in with an anatomy lesson. Because let's be honest, we will happily say penis and balls. We will happily differentiate mm-hmm. between those two things. But why don't we make the same differentiation between vulva and vagina? It's just as important to make that distinction because they are not the same thing. Also, I have to say, I do love what she's wearing. So she's an older lady. You know, she's mm-hmm. she's probably the oldest people you'll ever see in the vicinity of Gwyneth Paltrow. And she has <laughs> white hair. She's wearing a denim jacket that has a little, uh, like, saying on the po- on the right pocket that says, come together. I mean, good. She's, just, <laughs> she's just fabulous. And she oozes confidence and no, no bullshit when it comes to the anatomy of the vulva and the vagina, which is great. And so she's apparently worked with thousands of women. And Mm. guess what? They have to get naked. Damn. We're about to see a lot of naked bodies, people. We are actually. Um, There's a lot of nudity, like not just like, you know, tasteful, gently covering the breast nudity. Like we're talking full on views of vulvas in this show, which I I support. We will talk about in a minute. She's actually joined in this show by her partner, her business partner, Carlin Ross, who used to be a lawyer, which I I found out. I thought that was, that's pretty cool. Um, So they run a website and workshops about female sexuality and you're right they all have to get naked so apparently Carlin greets these women who come to these workshops at the door naked because she says we expect these women to get naked as part of our workshop so why shouldn't I walk the walk as well I'm like that's that's very true Uh, so in the workshops everyone gets naked everyone looks at their own and each other's vulvas and they learn how to masturbate and look Betty seems to be Betty and and Carlin and their program seem to be very well respected uh you know as we've already alluded to 
very much support her ethos, very much support the fact that women don't know enough about their own anatomy, very much support that there is a an orgasm gap. Women will orgasm a lot less frequently than men. And that is even more so if we're talking about uh, queer women or trans women. So, you know, this is, I think it's a really important thing. Um, however, I, I did find one thing that I thought was a little bit that made me sort of raise my eyebrows a little bit is that Betty has received her training from this place called the Institute of Human Sexuality, which has been discredited as a Mm. teaching institution. It's been found to be a degree mill. So basically people pay a ton of money. They get a a diploma of some description in return, but, you know, the, the teaching quality isn't always up to scratch, I suppose. And I know we've already mentioned we didn't talk about the Tantra episode in unwell because we thought that was a little we, we had to we had to cut something and tantra went um but one of the things that they raised in that and i don't know if you you ended up watching it pixie but i did you know in some of oh you did yeah but they raised this thing that in some of these these sexual workshops that sexual abuse has happened at these workshops mm. and we're not saying by any stretch of the imagination that that's what's happening here this is all very cool and above board and we like it but I think it's a I just want to put in a reminder here that if you are if you are seeking help with your sexuality with your with your sex life I think it's really important to go and get that assistance from somewhere reputable somewhere comfortable uh, somewhere that's you know perhaps trauma informed because I can imagine my first thought when I saw all these like women just stripping off naked was that I think it was really cool for those women but I feel like there's going to be a subset of women who have concerns who will feel at, at best very uncomfortable there or at worst it might make them you know quite quite anxious so mm-hmm. I just wanted to put that in as a little disclaimer not talking about goop or betty <laughs> herself just as a more a more general you know a more general signpost if you're looking for assistance Hmm. with with sexuality yeah I think that's definitely an important point to make because they don't talk Mm. about that in this episode which no not at all they don't have to but there are you know there obviously are a couple of things that there are a lot of things you can't fit into a 30 minute episode Mm. on vaginas and vulvas so apparently yeah again we have the goop team who volunteer to partake in this except apparently the goop team doing a naked workshop would be a an hr nightmare no shit but they can do a fully clothed workshop what i found quite funny about this is that is that gwyneth paltrow and elise again they talk to betty and her partner but then they don't even go to her workshop they're telling her all this and then they don't even go to her workshop. So it's like, oh, yeah, we love your work, but we went to somebody else's workshop. Sorry. I found I was like, mm. if that was me sitting there, I'd be like, rude. Why the fuck did you come to my workshop seeing as you're sitting here? <laughs> but anyway, the group team go to see somebody called Isabella Frappier. Yeah. Which I'm not sure if I've said that right. So they do a couple of different things with her. They do a photo shoot, which I didn't really see the point of. That seemed like a total waste of time and totally unrelated. They did some Mm -hmm. work on massage in terms of communication and consent, which, yeah, I get. Okay, I can see the idea, the theory behind that, the idea of practicing with with hand or feet massages and Mm -hmm. working on communication so that you can get that practice that I can see Mm -hmm. that and doing some work on eye contact. So they had to sit quietly and just look at each other in the eye. And you know what? 
as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, I know what that's like. Because one of my first weeks in my psychotherapy training, we also had to do this for about 10 minutes. We had to sit there and just look at someone in the eye without saying anything. It was really something. It's quite an intense experience. And there were people who were laughing and crying as a result of that. It's, if you've never tried it before, oof. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I, you will go in the cold. I will look at people. That's like realizing our <laughs> worst fears because like, sorry, I'm just going to go off on a, a tiny tangent. I think a lot of people think that will probably listen to us here talking about vulvas and balls and butt coffee and stuff like that and assume, assume like for me that I'm quite extroverted. I'm really not. Um, and I find, I find that kind of vulnerability like really uncomfortable. So I was watching these people stare at each other going, that is my worst nightmare. I just couldn't do it. I could not do it. Mm-mm, no, it made me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> and here I am giggling mm. about it now. Yeah, I was very glad the first time I did it that I got no warning about it whatsoever. They were just like, okay, this is what we're going to do now. There was no preamble. It was just like, this is what we're doing. Go. I, I sort of, I thought this thing was nice where that, yeah, they're massaging each other's hands and foot and, you know, the photo shoot was, again, it was nice, but yeah, what's the point? I mean, does it actually translate to better sexual pleasure? I don't know. And particularly I started to think that, I don't know how useful these techniques are because I went and looked up this, this woman, Isabella, and like I say, you know, what, what they did looked really nice, but you know, she, her job title is pleasure teacher and sexual liberator. I was like, do people just make this shit up? Like, yep, you know. But then I kind of got annoyed because she's a second generation, second generation psychic medium. That's her qualification. Oh, I was like, no, gross. No. Are you serious? Yeah, I was like, the massage was cool, and now you're a psychic, and I think nah. And also, she's half Australian. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And this goes back to my like my previous statement, my sort of like caveat warning to you know be careful where you're going, make sure you're comfortable, but. Look, I, I don't, I, I'm kind of torn. Like, is this good? Is this bad? I don't really know. They, look, the, the women who went there seemed to enjoy it. They seemed to get something from it. And I think that's a, that's a really good thing. And even if it doesn't translate into, you know, mind-blowing sex for them, I think perhaps it got them thinking about some of the things that they could take back to their relationships. And I think the other thing that I really, really liked about this is that they do have a little bit of diversity because they have their accountant, their group accountant is a woman by the name of Lexi who is gay and she talks a bit about shame both as a construct, mainly as a construct of her conservative upbringing but I was really curious as to what her sexuality, particularly if she's had a conservative upbringing, how that relates to her. I would have loved to hear more about that. Again, mm. time constraints. But I was really pleased that they didn't just have a whole bunch of heterosexual women there because, you know, when it comes to sex education and it comes to, to pleasure, sex education is, one, very focused on health and avoiding pregnancy by far and away predominantly. It's very focused on heterosexual uh, sexual acts and when you talk about you know LGBTIQ community and trans people that's a whole different ball game and I think the other thing that it sort of alluded to is that we all come from really different cultures and that can also play into to how we feel but that was one thing I was like well done thank you thank you so much yeah I do also wish that they had done a lot more with that because there was a lot of potential mm. that then just got totally ignored and I just thought yeah a lot of this was just very heteronormative very heterosexual which you know 
Mm -hmm. fine, whatever. But I guess it's worth us delving into a number of the the kind of the themes and the topics that come up in this episode. Uh, So firstly, Mm. the idea of, uh, they talk about body image a little bit and the the idea of that if if you have body image issues, you're feeling that shame around your bodies that yes, it's going to be potentially more difficult for you when when you're having mm-hmm. sex and so on, which, yeah, I mean, absolutely. When I, I do sometimes have conversations with my clients around sexual pleasure within the mm-hmm. context of discussing things like poor body image and feeling ashamed of their bodies, because it's actually amazing how many people in that setting will either avoid sex or will fake orgasms in particular to just try and engage in that people pleasing of making it about the other person because that's more comfortable because they're uncomfortable in their bodies. I mean, I think at one point they say something like, if you're experiencing shame, it's really difficult to experience pleasure at the same time. You can't really have both. And I'm like, yeah, that is absolutely true. If you're feeling ashamed of your body and really, Mm -hmm. really self-conscious, you're unlikely to be able to orgasm. Mm. So that was like, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Mm. But then Gwyneth Paltrow starts talking Mm. and I'm like, really? You have something to say? Oh, I, I got really annoyed with her because she, I mean, look, I, I felt torn actually. I was predominantly anno- annoyed. But some of the things that she said about body image, I was like, I feel that. I, I get that. Because she says something which I, I thought really resonated with me is that she said, I'm not critical of other women's bodies, but I am of my own. I was like, oh, my God, yes, I feel that. And then I was like, mm-hmm. ugh, but it's being said by Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> I found it so, so hypocritical yep. that someone who who has contributed, and I'm not talking about the fact that she is genetically gifted and attractive, like that's not her fault, like, you know, that she's, she's a beautiful woman, you know, that she, that she's contributed to negative body image on that level. What I'm specifically referring to is the way in which goop and wellness contribute to poor body image the way goop and wellness contribute to shame around your vagina for example like you know we all know that goop was very and Gwyneth Paltrow was very widely known for endorsing vaginal steaming and like Mm. why are we playing into this idea that vaginas are dirty and they need to be cleaned because they don't they have a self-cleaning mechanism you know, I just, I, I have a real problem with the way wellness preys on women. And, you know, I think I mentioned in the last episode, that was why I refused to watch this in the first place, because the people who are going to watch this show are women. And I just hate the idea that there's a big company and a person at the head of that company who's making money off women's insecurities. Mm-hmm. We saw this actually, do you know what? Just remind me, I'm going to go off on a tiny tangent here. Go for it. It sort of relates to body image. So there was a woman here in, in Australia who was recently came under a lot of criticism because she was selling vagina masks. Now, one, they're not masks for your vagina. They are vulva for your vulva. So they're like, you know, like a sheet mask you get for your face. Mm-hmm. She made them for your vulva because of the wrinkles. And I was like, Oh my God, are you serious? Yeah, serious. I'm like, it's supposed to be wrinkly, right? It's supposed to look that way. And so I was like, that's one, like you just don't need that. Let's let's stop telling women that their their vulvas are unattractive to the point where you need to put a face mask on them. Two, it's a really delicate area. And it's the same same issue I have with vaginal steaming. Like it is a delicate, delicate area. You don't want to be putting things that are perfumed or things that are 
hot or cold on that area lest you come to a very, very problematic injury in your genitals. Always bad. But do you know the the thing that I, I feel like we might cop a little bit on talking about this and giving any criticism at all is that I got a few women saying that I was a shitty feminist for calling mm. out this vulva vagina mask thing. I'm like, no, you know what's unfeminist? What's unfeminist is anyone, women, men, whoever, preying off the vulnerabilities that women have and especially around their genitals and especially around their sex life because society does that enough for us. That's unfeminist. And if I was calling like Gwyneth Paltrow a sucky human just on virtue of (laughs) of what she does, that's different. I'm actually calling out what she's saying and what she does. Like that's a very different thing. I'm not attacking the substance of who she is at her core. You know, I'm arguing with this on an intellectual, uh, (laughs) intellectual level and I think that's okay. But anyway, what I was saying is that I just, I I really, the, the hypocrisy here at play really annoyed me and sadly it took away for me anyway it took away from some of the good stuff that one that Gwyneth said and two that 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 the episode itself kind of tried to get at if that makes sense yeah absolutely I I am totally with you on that it almost undermined their their important points a little bit which is a real shame because they Mm -hmm. were some really important points and you know on that note about these various products and things that we're told to use on our vulvas there's also surgery and things like that they make the claim that some of this comes from porn and yeah they make an interesting point there is there are definitely problems with porn I will say that women in porn aren't a complete monolith there are there definitely Mm -hmm. is some variety but there are definitely patterns and potential controversial opinion coming up I think the obsession with totally removing all body hair from the vulva is a bit creepy let me explain <laughs> if if you want to do it great because it's your body your choice right I think it's the it's the expectation and pressure from especially men to do this that concerns me because mm. I wonder why do men want to fuck women whose genitals look like a child's that's what concerns me about that it's the little bit of a creepy obsession with this infantilization of women I'm like mm-hmm if you want to fuck a child, you have a problem. That is not <laughs> great. And I, that's when we're like, mm, potentially controversial opinion. It's just my opinion, guys. It's just mm, my opinion. Mm. I find it a little bit weird and creepy. And I fully recognize that porn has been hugely contributing to that. I do feel mm. that what they don't point out as well as they could have is that porn is a symptom of a wider culture that deprioritizes mm. and shames women's pleasure, right? It's not just a porn issue. Having said that, Mm. women's orgasms in porn are a fucking shambles. They are so fake, Mm. so over the top, as they they rightly point out, and way too fast most of the time as well. And I say this as someone who does watch porn. I do. And I think it's, I think it can be great. But when I switch to paying for it rather than relying on unnamed popular free websites, the diversity, the content, the orgasms (laughs) all got infinitely better. Pay for your porn, people. Yeah. And also, do you know the other thing? I saw a, a brief segment on this on a current affairs program. I think it was here maybe last year. The other advantage about paying for pornography is that you can be assured that you're potentially, well, you can ensure, I should say, that you're getting ethically produced porn so that you're getting 
pornography that is made with consent, that is made with people you know are of age, that you know uh, there is consent going on, that there's health check, all these kinds of things. That's the other advantage for for paying for porn. But, you know, I agree with you. I think that I don't think they kind of hammer this home enough. I think pornography is... It's not one thing, like women in porn aren't just one thing. And there are some drawbacks, but I think they kind of, as you sort of alluded to, Pixie, they kind of amplify how we see women in society and how we see women sexually. And and that's very problematic, such as, you know, things like people who watch watch pornography, they may have more unrealistic expectations and attitudes about sex, maybe more, maybe hold less progressive gender views. And these are, these are, Mm. these are things that we're not, we're not really down with (laughs) to be, to be frank. But, you know, I think I also want to say, and as you've said, not watching porn isn't bad. Um, Not all porn is bad. And, you know, likewise, your choice of what you do with your genitals is also your choice but we'd like people to be better informed. And I think that comes to, you know, that's what they're sort of getting at when they specifically name pornography as a factor in the increasing number of labiaplasties. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So labiaplasty is... Well, look, it's commonly known as a design of vagina, and this is where the anatomy thing is again wrong because the surgery of a labiaplasty has nothing to do with your vagina. So I'm going to say if you're driving, don't do this. If you're not driving, if you happen to be listening to us, I don't know, at home in front of your computer, I want you to Google female anatomy and bring up a diagram and have a look at what we're talking about here. So the labiaplasty is actually surgery, um, what's commonly known as the lips, but I really would like people to stop using that term. They're called labia, okay? There's an outer and an inner one or a labia majora, which is the outside one, and a labia minora, which is the inside one. And labiaplasty generally focuses on cutting off little bits of the labia minora, the inside parts. And 
Oh, it hurts just thinking about it. Yeah, that. Like I'm just sort of like shaking a bit on my chair at the moment. Um, so, so the fact that it's called a design of vagina is just it's stupid because it's wrong, okay? So go and Google pictures, please, maybe not at work, maybe not when you're driving, but have a look, okay? Let's get an idea of, of what's normal. Labia come in so many different shapes, sizes, colours, all kinds of things. However, labiaplasty as a surgery has gotten more common over the last few years. Goop gets it wrong. It's not continuing to rise. It's certainly not rising exponentially. In fact, worldwide, the number of labiaplasty cases has probably stabilized or even dropped. And in, if we compare them to, say, breast augmentation, labiaplasty numbers don't even come close, right? So we're not talking about, you know, millions of women going and having their labia chopped and, and sewn off. So, look, there are reasons that women want to get this. A lot of it's going to be it's going to be aesthetic. It's what you, you, you know, you look like. And whether that be you're uncomfortable yourself, like you've looked at yourself and you're like, Ugh, no, that's not for me. Or, you know, and if, if this happens, you have full permission to eat whoever says this. But if someone, a partner, <laughs> sexual partner says that your labia are unattractive, eat them. Jump them. Yeah, exactly. And or a medical or healthcare professional, healthcare professional makes any comments on the appearance of your genitals in general, you know, look, drop me an email Get and the I'll fuck walk out. you through what to do. Yeah, leave. Either way, no one should be making comments on the aesthetics of your labia. So even though like I think it's important that we try and normalise what different labia, different vulvas look like, I don't want to shame anyone who wants to get a labiaplasty, mm-hmm. all right? If you want to do that, if it's something that's going to make you feel better for whatever reason, then do it for the right reasons and please make sure you do it <laughs> with a qualified surgeon who does it regularly. But no shame. I know that people are very happy with it and people feel a lot more comfortable physically and emotionally once they've had the surgery and I'm, you know, more power to you. This is about giving you the information to support your choices. Yeah, absolutely. And so once you've done a Google on what the difference between the vulva and the vagina is, it's time to get a mirror and a light and spread your legs because we watch a woman in one of Betty's workshops holding a mirror and a light to her vulva. And I think this is fantastic. I think that everyone who owns a vulva should do this at several points in their life to actually understand what the fuck is going on there. Have a look, like have a close look. And if you find it uncomfortable, if you find it a bit weird, sit with that and try and find out why that is uncomfortable for you because it's just a part of your body. If you wouldn't feel weird about looking at the various shapes of your fingers and the various lines and on your palm, for example, or looking at the way that your nails are growing or whatever that is, then there's also no reason why you can't also feel comfortable looking at your Mm -hmm. own vulva. It's just another part of your body. Mm -hmm. And so in this episode, we actually get to see the vulva that's appearing in the mirror. And Betty points out to the Goop team, and I I love this so much. I cannot stress how much I love this. Betty points out to the Goop camera team that they can't just show one vulva. They have to show a variety because otherwise that one vulva they show becomes the one, the standard for comparison. I totally, totally agree with this. Mm -hmm. And what I love is that they say, okay, go out and film some more vulvas and they all laugh, but then they actually do it. And we see a variety of images of really different vulvas, like real genuine variety, different size labia and everything. And also what I also love is that they're not all from white people, which is great. Yes. Different colors and shapes. This was for me, when I saw this, I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. 
everyone needs to see this. There's a, quite a few Instagram accounts I follow. There's um, the Volva Gallery and this is a Volva where you can just like, where you can see like pictures of Volvas and, and I think, you know, what they did is really important. So well done, Betty. I'm looking at this right now. Yeah, do it, do it. And I think just like normalizing it. You know, interestingly, even if you, if women are considering a labiaplasty and you say to them, actually your vulva, your labia are completely normal, it's not going to change their mind to do to go ahead with the surgery, which I thought was really interesting. But yeah, I, I really, I full power to them for for showing that. Because I think that one thing that they hammer home, they hammer home really well is that a large proportion of women don't understand their own anatomy. So there's a big survey done by the Eva Pill, which is a UK gynecological cancer charity and found that 44% of women couldn't label a vagina on a diagram. So, you know, I've seen women over the years who have, you know, really not understood really sort of important things about their bodies, like that you don't need to take a tampon out to urinate, that you don't need to wash inside your own vagina, how many holes you have. I know it's a horrible way to say it, but, you know, men will urinate and ejaculate out of the same hole. It's in the urethra and the penis, whereas women have a urethra that externalizes that's where you wee and then you have a second hole which is below that which is the vagina and then you have the anus which is where you poo and a lot of women just just don't know that and I think that's really really terrible that, that we don't know that and it has implications like it has implications for contraception it has implications for sexual assault it has implications for medical issues like if a woman comes and says my vagina is itchy and what they actually mean it's their vulva or something else you know that's problematic you know they don't know what discharge is normal they don't know about their menstruation they don't know when to seek help and when to seek assistance so plus the sexual pleasure side of things 100% so I Mm. I'm so pleased that they brought this up because to me this is something that I find this is like one of the the big things that I'm really passionate about is trying to teach women about their bodies and about their health so that they can be empowered. So I'm really pleased that this came up, even though gynae is definitely, definitely not my area of practice. But, you know, I'm so pleased that they brought it up. It made me feel really warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah, and they talk about the actual implications of this lack of knowledge and also this this gap in orgasms where especially heterosexual women in heterosexual relationships have considerably fewer orgasms than men mm-hmm. queer women have considerably more orgasms than heterosexual women which is completely unsurprising to any woman who's ever been with a woman it's totally unsurprising <laughs> and they say that research has shown that orgasm is linked to reducing stress curbing appetite boosting hormone levels enhancing sleep and heightening one's sense of smell i didn't know about that last one that's a rat study oh great of course but reducing stress and better sleep yes fair you know those two are linked anyway that makes total sense (laughs) curbing appetite that's unnecessary i think i don't want people to hear this and take away that they need to orgasm instead of eat no no you eat and you orgasm if you want to do it at the same time more power to you if you want to do them separately (laughs) go for it i mean nobody's stopping you from doing both at the same time anyway boosting Uh. hormone levels i mean sure i mean oxytocin dopamine i bet Makes sense. Uh, it would have mm-hmm. been great if they could have been more specific, though. But yeah, I, I do just want to say a little bit more about the fact that this is all very heterosexual. And considering that one of the goop guinea pigs is gay, I would have really have loved to see something a bit more that goes beyond the heterosexual because 
you know, this also, in terms of the health implications, this also very much extends to sex education in schools, which sucks. Hugely. And when I think back to my own sex education that I had in schools, and I say this as the the resident gay on the podcast, right? I can tell you that Mm -hmm. I learned nothing about queer sex education at school. I learned nothing about pleasure in general, except for the fact that erections are kind of important, which is useless to me when I'm in the bedroom with someone who does not have a penis. Completely useless, because I mean, what, what am I supposed to do? There's no, there's no penis. Like what? I love everything <laughs> about queer sex and pleasure from the internet, and this has serious mm-hmm. implications for young queer people in particular. And I think that is mm-hmm. a real problem, and we need mm-hmm. to be so much better with that because I think assuming that the default of everyone in school being heterosexual is bollocks. Mm-hmm. I know that that did, definitely did some harm to me growing up as a, mm-hmm. as a teenager especially the assumption that I must be heterosexual I must only need heterosexual sex education that's harmful that's not good that had that had some serious implications in my mm. own development as a queer person and I don't want anyone else to have to go through that because it's not fun it's mm. not good enough we need to do better no no it's not right Anyway, let me just jump off my pedestal. No, I don't, don't. I think stay, you know, because it's true. I mean, sex, sex education in schools is crap. It, it's it's just purely focused on avoiding, look, I want to say it's crap because avoiding unwanted pregnancy, you know, obviously a good thing if you're not keen, um, avoiding getting sick from sexually transmitted illnesses, also a good thing. But yeah, I, I just think it contributed, whether inadvertently or otherwise, to this whole thing around shame and, and stigma to do with sex. And, you know, we know that not talking about sex or scaring kids off sex actually isn't harm reductive anyway. Mm. And particularly, as you say, when you alienate a significant proportion of the population who are already at risk for various issues throughout their life, you know, mental and physical well-being issues, like do better, <laughs> like just do better. Do you know, I am, um, I'm going to go off on a tangent again. When I was at uni, when I was at med school, we did this program where as medical students, we'd go out to the high schools and teach them about sex ed. We would teach them about drugs and alcohol and mental health. And the idea being that we were closer in age to the high school kids. I have to be honest though, honestly, some of the kids knew a lot more about sex than I ever did. <laughs> Almost every school we went to, they'd be like, excuse wow. me, miss, do you know what this is? And I was like, no. <laughs> I'd be like, oh my God, I'm getting an education. But yeah, I mean, a lot of that was about based around, you know, just it wasn't at all about about pleasure for anybody. And it was definitely, definitely completely all heterosexual. The only thing I think we mentioned for uh, gay and queer folk was the need for homosexual or men who have sex with men to be mindful about HIV. That was that was literally it. Which is bollocks because it's it's not like HIV just goes, ooh, this person's straight, I'm not going to infect this person. <laughs> I think a lot of people would be like, ew, straight person, gross. Um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours on end because I th- I think you probably get the idea that this is we feel very passionately about the holistic health of a lot of different people not just goopers <laughs> and I guess I'm pleased that they talked about this kind of stuff but I'm kind of left wanting I'm kind of left wanting mm. in some ways predominantly because it's about the hypocrisy for me it's about the you know the kind of 
touch on diversity, but not really going far enough into it. Again, you know, we've said this before, it's just 30 minutes, you know, you can't solve all of the world's problems. But the thing that really, that leaves a really bad taste in my mouth is the fact that Goop and Gwyneth Paltrow don't acknowledge the damaging contributions they've made to this area. That being said, if a woman were to watch this, are they going to get more good than harm? I think probably. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I would agree. I, I really do hope so. I think this is maybe the only only thing I will give. <laughs> I will give like a, a a small thumbs up. Yeah, and Betty is great. Betty rules. Yes, Betty rules. Betty is great, except she at the end promotes her dildo thing, which is <gasps> really expensive. And I'm like. <laughs> It, no, Goop, Goop has a shit ton of sex toys on their website. You don't need to spend that much money. There's nothing, even though Betty does a great job, there's nothing magical about what she, what she's selling, okay? Like, there's a really great resource. We'll leave it in the link in the links below. Um, it's a place called OMG Yes, which is a online website, which is basically about women's pleasure. It's very graphic because it shows you a whole bunch of women masturbating and how they do it. And highly recommend that as a resource. You don't need to be spending $140 US on uh, on Betty's specific barbell, okay? You can orgasm without it. It's totally fine. Yeah, and if you do happen to want a vibrator, you can get really good ones for under 50 quid. Definitely. Uh-huh. That come in unobtrusive packaging. <laughs> Absolutely, if you want. So overall... Nikki, what's your verdict on this episode? I didn't hate it. I mean, look, I don't get me wrong. There's some times when I'm like, oh, it's a bit dodgy. I'd like to explore that a bit more. But again, if I think more women saw this and were compelled to understand their own anatomy and their own bodies, then wonderful. All in all, I would have preferred six episodes on this topic alone. That's my verdict. Agreed. Someone give Dr. Jen Gunter a whole series on this because that would be amazing i totally mm-hmm. agree with what you said overall i actually think this this episode was pretty good it did far more good than harm which was unexpected mm-hmm. and i'm like <laughs> good on you for showing so many vulvas that was great uh, like i said i think there are a couple of things that i felt would have been worthy of inclusion but mm-hmm. on the whole yeah well we're we're done with vulvas now you can stop um listening to us say vulva gratuitously um even though we didn't we we're very professional Next week we're on to yet another episode of Goop and I can give you a give you a preview of how I feel about it. It's not going to be as positive as the Volva episode. And uh, no, it's not. We're going to be looking next week at aging because of course Goop is obsessed with youth and we must do a whole episode on this on what causes aging. It's going to be elitist <sighs> as fuck. Get ready. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, in the meantime, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I know how many times I have to say that. I'm sick of being beaten by the medical medium and a few other people who are kind of sucky. Please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star rating because that's how people will find us and, of course, tell your mates. Now, if you have questions or comments, you can get in contact with us on email in badtastepodcast at gmail.com. We really, really like to hear from you. Uh, so please, please do drop us a line. As always, come and see us on our socials. Pixie is at Pixie Nutrition and I am at Dr. Nikki Stamp. And as always, we will leave you references and we'll leave you some really good links this week in the show notes below. Wonderful. That's all for Vulvas. Join us next week to find out how our biological ages drastically increased to respective to our chronological ages after watching this shite. We'll see you there. <laughs>
Volvo, and I was like, I don't care for those, thanks. Volvo, not Volvo. <laughs> it's like those pictures of, um, is this puppies <laughs> or fried chicken? Have you seen those? I have seen, there's so many of them. And like, there's other like random medical ones, but yeah, Volvo or Volvo. I'm going to hang some Volvas on my walls. Pictures of Volvas, she means. She's going to yes, hang pictures yes, of Yes, oh my God. <laughs> Yes, I'm going to find some artwork <laughs> of some vulvas and put them on my, on my walls. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.